0: Slate Football Podcast. We'll go behind the scenes with Jayhawk Slant, the online leader covering KU football and recruiting. Now, here's the staff from JayhawkSlant.com: Randy Withers and John Kirby.
1: Hey everybody, this is Randy Withers. Welcome into a special homecoming edition of the Inside Slant podcast from jhawkslant.com. We are thankfully done with the bye week and it is time to gear up for this matchup on Saturday, big noon Saturday on Fox against the Oklahoma Sooners in what should be a great atmosphere in the booth. For this one, we've got a great show lined up for you today. Brandon Drum from the OU Insider will be a guest on the show to tell us, give us some insight on the Sooners from behind enemy lines. Then we will hear from Harrison Utley, a hometown kid from Norman, Oklahoma, who chose the Jayhawks over the Sooners. He'll join us later. Let's get right into this thing. I'm going to bring in my man on the Kansas football beat, our publisher, and my good friend John Kirby. John, are you staying dry with all this dang rain?
2: <laughs> you know, I when I walked into the football facility this morning, I walked through the rain and walked back through it. But, hey, we needed it, right? But, you know, Randy, I was telling my wife, when we get it, it's like everybody goes, we need rain. We were just talking, like, for a few hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> we weren't talking for uh, two and a half straight days. But uh, Oh, my
1: God. It's hey, listen, crazy.
2: as long as the rain moves out, and then they're saying rain coming back Saturday, as long as it comes back after the game and, and the crowd can come in and enjoy the Fox crew and yes. watch a good football game. Hey, mm-hmm. the rain can come back. Just let everybody have a good day in the booth.
1: No doubt. No doubt.
2: I, I, you know, There's been so much talk about
1: this. You know, I, Ticket sales, uh, last I saw, and you might have more current numbers. Last I saw, it, it's almost a sellout already. Tickets have really started moving, especially here in the last several days. You know, there's going to be a great crowd. We're obviously, you know, there's going to be a good number of Oklahoma fans. As close as we are to the Sooner State, we're going to see a lot of people coming up from OU. And with this being, you know, the last time that we're going to play as, as conference foes, as uh, Oklahoma gears up to leave for the SEC, I think there'll be a lot of people that'll make the trip to Lawrence. And, you know, I just, I'm with you. I, I hope the weather holds so that we can have a great crowd for, uh, you know, the Big Fox show Saturday morning, as well as, you know, for what could be really a wild football game. I mean, this, I I know we're going to get into it,
2: obviously, in specifics here in a little bit. This game could just be absolutely bananas, John. Well, it could be. It could be. You know, um, back to what you were saying on the crowd. You know, Randy, it, it, I I don't know. It's It's been such a topic. It seems like every yeah. week about tickets and where's everything at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know there was concern about Central Florida, and I do think they had statistics and they have analytics, and Travis Goff put the letter out. And, you know, that the day after he puts his letter out, they sell almost 2,500 tickets, all right? Exactly. So, so his letter served a purpose. It woke people up, okay? So that that took care of what it did. But, you know, BYU was a sellout. Central Florida had a good crowd. Illinois, I can't remember, was it 44 or 45? That There was a good crowd there. This one's going to be sold out. The K-State game will be sold out. We'll wait and see what Texas Tech. But, you know, here's the fact of the matter. I, I did two radio shows today. I did the one in Sirius, and and I did the 365 show down in Texas. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I said, you know, you've had 13 or 14 years of bad football, okay? 13 or 14 years where there was no more than three wins in one season. So it, I'm a football junkie. You're a football junkie. We love following Ku football, so we're always there following it, no matter what. When they're getting when they're getting their butts beat in, we're following the program. Okay, absolutely. But there are others who fall off, and that's human nature. All right, that after somebody's been bad for so long, it's easy for people to just start finding something else to do, other ways to spend their money, other ways to spend their time. I honestly think the crowd with Kansas these last two years has been pretty dang solid. I, I think that last year there were sellouts. Last year, this year there's going to be sellouts. I think this crowd has come back in pretty decent numbers, to be honest with you, considering where this program was. So, hey, I'm all for uh, for what the KU fans have done and they've shown out. And, and if you'd have told me two years ago, going into the 2022 season, that Ku would have seven or eight sellouts. I tell mm. you, I tell you, no way. There's I'd no t- you're way. You're out of your mind. You, yeah, you, <laughs> you, you are on something. So, <laughs> I want what Colorado, you're on. Yeah. You? <laughs> so, I'm just saying that, you know, you know, w- w- people can complain about support for football and and, and this and that, but I got to tell you, there is nothing wrong, in my opinion, with what these crowds have been like the last couple years.
1: No doubt. No doubt at all. I mean, I I still, I think regularly, and I know obviously the game didn't end exactly how we wanted it to, but last year, college game day, the matchup with TCU on an absolutely picturesque, you know, City Hall Saturday. Just a phenomenal, beautiful day. And, you know, a great crowd, a back-and-forth football game, everything you could want just missed out on, you know, getting the result that we weren't on the field, you know, that what we saw that day to me is still almost unfathomable for what we've come from as quickly as we have. And I know everybody, you know, we live in an instant gratification society. Nobody wants to wait. We want to microwave it. I want it on demand. I want what I want when I want it. And I want it. Five minutes ago. And that's that's human nature now. But this is the fact that, th- that Lance Laghold and his staff have turned this as quickly as they had to where we are seeing crowds like that. To where we are, for the second straight year, we're going to have a national pregame show broadcast live from the University of Kansas for a football game. I mean, it's like... I don't know what's more unbelievable, John, that or the eight sellouts that you mentioned. I mean, seriously, who would have ever thought that those things would be happening in Lawrence, let alone as quickly as they have? I think I'm with you. People got a a little bit of perspective is important. And, you know, at the same time, this thing, the crowd support people are kind of, you know, they're they're learning to get back into it. They're 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 coming around. More and more people there every single time. The crowds have been great. They're going to continue to improve. And, you know, we're at the very beginning of
2: this thing. It's, Absolutely. It, it it all goes hand in hand, Randy. I mean, you know, the, the, the game day crews aren't there unless the programs turn and you've got good crowds, right? I mean, it, it yeah. all it all kind of works in tandem together. So, you know, like you said, it's happened fast and in a way – I think that's probably the problem, that it's happened fast, and it's probably taken some people by surprise who got off the football bandwagon, okay, who maybe had season tickets during the Mangino years and then watched bad football and then got away. Or And we talked about this in one of the recent podcasts. Maybe somebody went to KU as a student during the, the bad football years, and they just never thought about buying season tickets. And I just think that the the quick turn – this has probably happened faster than a lot of people thought it would have. Has maybe caught some people off guard, and mm-hmm. I do, I do think there are people out there now saying, "Hey, we need to think about season tickets." I guarantee it's made people start thinking about it. No question, no question. And you know, it's like you say, people are
1: they're they're having to they're changing their behavior. You know, Saturday afternoons are becoming a thing for Kansas Jayhawks. Again, you know, people want to watch the games. They want to go to the games. They want to be in that amazing atmosphere that, that you know, the, one of the most picturesque college football settings in the entire country. It, they want to be a part of that, but it takes a little time for them to change the direction, you know, and, and I, I'm excited. It's going to happen. And, you know, hopefully if the rain will hold off, I think we're going to see a lot of it this weekend. You know, let's let's go ahead and get into this, John. You know, coming off a bye week, I know you've been around the team over the last several days. What has the vibe been like around the guys and around the coaching staff?
2: Yeah, you, you can feel the energy, Randy. The bye week does a lot for you. I mean, you know, Leipold, when we met with him, he called it refreshed was the word he used. And, you know, they're getting guys back healthy and Being around the team, you can kind of feel some of that energy. You you know, I think the biggest thing is there's that bad taste in the mouth from the Oklahoma State game, right? I mean, there were multiple times they had a chance to take control of that game or go back and take the lead in that game. And then the game ends, and now you've got to wait two weeks to play a football game again. So the good thing is here, I could just sense that these guys are ready to play football. They're excited to get back in. They're talking about, you know – I thought it was interesting. Lance talked about the 11 a.m. crowds. He said, they really like the 11 a.m. games. He said, they had some big games last year at 11 a.m. There were good crowds. They, you know, some of those games sold out. So I I think this team's going to come out ready to play and just being, Mm -hmm. being around them and just being around the coaches. And I'm sure we'll get into the game here a little later. You know, I've got a good feel about this game.
1: I, I, I agree. I agree. You know, John, let's go ahead and get into breaking down this game and bring on our first guest who is going to give us a ton of insight into the Oklahoma Sooners. Here comes Brandon Drum, the publisher of OU Insider,
2: to tell you everything about Brent Venable's squad. To get a closer look at this game from the Oklahoma side, I'm going to welcome in Brandon Drum, who is the publisher of OU Insider. Brandon, how you doing? Man, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I know we were talking off air. Sounds like you got your hands full there with uh, three kids running through the house.
3: Yeah, just uh, I got an 11 year old boy, an eight year old boy, and now a three week old girl. So uh, the separation is deep, but uh, we got some help, so that's good. She's got two big brothers that will be looking out for her the rest of her life. I'm, there. I'm a big guy, so, and moms tall so the chances are they're going to be big old dudes and uh she's got the defenders so I can rest easy I hope
2: (laughs) well that's good that's good man I appreciate you joining us and you know I wanted to rewind about a week ago and talk about that UCF game I mean that that was a little closer than a lot of people expected expected what did you see from that game
3: I saw a team that came out flat offensively um look they lost Angel Anthony uh, their, their leading receiver against Texas. like in the, I want to say it was the middle of the fourth, middle of the third, late third. Uh, he was just blocking, and his knee just popped, and he tore his ACL. So um, he was having a phenomenal year. He's a transfer from Michigan. And everything just kind of you, – you didn't see it in the Texas game because Nick Anderson came in, Jalil Farouk had played really well, Drake Stoops played really well the tight end Austin Stogner played really well and you know the run game with Dylan Gabriel
0: was working
3: so the offense didn't have a lag well fast forward two weeks OU goes on a bye week uh they all they do is you know hear how great they are they've moved up to five or six depending on the week now they're the lead for the big 12 and everybody's crowning them you know the favorite out of the big 12 to go to the playoff and all yada 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 and that's two weeks 14 days of just hearing how great you are benables and the defense came out four straight fourth uh you know three and outs essentially and the offense could only capitalize seven points in four straight stops. And not only do they have seven points, they got the field position. They averaged, I think it was a forty two yard line, the minus forty two. So essentially they only had to go fifty eight yards to score and they struggled to get down there. So they woke up. They finally woke up. I'll get to their credit, they finally woke up. They started leaning on freshman running back who uh Gavin Salchuk, who um had a huge cheese bowl the year before. Uh and since he didn't play in more than four games uh, in 2022, he's still a freshman. And so um, everybody's been, you know, asking for him to play. Where's Gavin Solchuk? Where's Gavin Solchuk? Uh, everybody thought that he was going to come in and be the guy this year, and he had a hamstring problem. So he's been battling back, trying to get back in shape, and this was the first week they leaned on him, and they waited till about the late third, fourth quarter, and he went off and had, I think it was like 50-something yards in the fourth quarter, broke a 30-yard run for a touchdown, and looked like the Gavin Salchuk everybody saw the year before in the cheez Bulls. So everybody's kind of hoping that is what woke the offense up, and there was a lot to learn from that game, a lot of racing. very similar offenses that, obviously, Lance Leipold and Gus Malzahn run. So... Oklahoma got a taste of that—a lot of trickery, a lot of eye candy, a lot of misdirection. Uh, very mobile quarterbacks, a lot like Jalen Daniels and Bean. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to like there if you're Kansas and you watch that UCF game and how you can attack OU on defense.
2: Well, obviously, when you think of Oklahoma, you think of offense, and you know, put everybody's seen Gabriel and talk about. What do they want to do offensively, and who are some other players to watch
3: well they wanna they want to stretch the field they want to hit you with the run game, and then they want to stretch the field. I think that's you know the m o of any you know art brile's offense or any descendant of an art Briles offense that in jeff levy he he came up through the Baylor you know obviously um he learned the offense, and he's added his own little niches throughout the the course of his career but the 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 base premise of it is you know hit you with the run game establish the run game and then really try to hit you over the top and, and get the big plays and they want to go fast everything is fast 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 so if they get tempo if they get a first down or if they get you know five yards on a on a you know a run play to start the start the drive they're going to start hitting you with tempo real fast because they're they're on the plus side of the downs and distances and that's how they always want to be as long as they're plus one the down distance they're going to go tempo 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 as far as guys to watch you got Jalil Farouk at wide receiver Drake Stoops you got Gavin Sawchuk at running back they're going to use him quite a bit now uh, they were without Tawi Walker who was suspended we don't know why um, or at least publicly we're not allowed to say why one of you, you can pick, pick a poison <laughs> on that and um, so yeah, the the, the 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 fact of the matter is is that he was out he's kind of their bruiser, so they like to have a speed guy and they have a bruiser. Tawi is their bruiser, and then you got your speed guys with Marcus Major and Gavin Sawchuk and, and, and they try to balance that out. And then obviously you got your tight end um in Austin Stogner, who if you go back and you watch Oklahoma play, anytime time they use him two, three, four times, or at least they target him they are better offensively throughout the whole game than not when they don't target him because they make the defense actually account for the tight end. He's a good tight end. He is a former all conference tight end when he was younger before he had all these knee problems. He had a infection almost had to have his leg amputated off uh, against Kansas ironically. So this was back in 2020 Uh, he got hit and he was leading the, the conference and in receptions, and yards as a tight end, as a sophomore. And he got an infection. Uh, they, they Long story short, he never was really the same mobility-wise up until last year. He's back finally. He went to South Carolina, came back to Oklahoma to finish out his career because that's where his heart was always at. So you have that. And then, then you've got freshman Nick Anderson on the outside. Who's filling in with Andrew Anthony. And the crazy thing about Nick Anderson – is he has 16 receptions this year, right? And this guy, not only does he have 16 receptions, he has eight touchdowns in those 16 receptions, and all of them are big, long plays. I believe he's close to 400 yards, if not around 400 yards receiving, and 16 receptions. He's a, He's got a crazy stat line. Uh, he's a big play waiting to happen, and and that's what Oklahoma is kind of leaning towards uh, with him is to fill in for that Andrew Anthony Hits you over the top, hits you on some post routes, hits you on some uh, quick hitches and let his speed, athleticism, and size kind of gain more yardage, get that yak yardage. So that's what Oklahoma does, and those are some players to watch.
2: It's good stuff there. So I want to switch over to the defense. Right before we got on this, I, I noticed that Oklahoma's fourth in the Big 12 against the run. I know they got Dejon yep. Terry in the middle, who is a former Jayhawk. He yep. started at KU. And, you know, I'm sure Venables has his fingerprint on this defense. Just talk about the scheme, what they're doing, and who are are some players to watch there.
3: Yeah, this defense, the the defensive front is just, if you go back to 2022, it is just night and day different. They struggled in sacks last year. This year, I mean, they're getting three, four sacks every game. Uh, They're getting – ironically, they were top – 10 and tackles for losses last season. And yet they still had an awful defense. Doesn't make sense, right? Well, the secondary just got beat up last year and abused. Um, y- y- you have that front seven, obviously led by the interior wise led by dejon Terry, Kansas fans. You guys will recognize the name. He played for you guys. He is a really good player. Uh, and he's got another year. Ironically, it seems like he's been in college forever. So he's got another year after this season, uh, the chances are he'll probably use it. Uh, so he'll be back in Norman next year as they head into the SEC. Uh, you got Ethan Downs on the edge, who now I think is leading the team in sacks. You've got Trace Ford, who was at Oklahoma State. He's one of the top edge rushers. Rondell Bothroyd, who's a back-to-back, ace, all ACC defensive ends playing. They're finally getting our Mason Thomas, who Venables came out today. We reported in August how good he was uh, during fall and that everybody thought he was the best player in the defense. And that's saying something because Danny Stutzman and Billy Bowman are on your defense. Uh, but our Mason Thomas is finally coming back. He still looks a little gimped up, but as that ankle gets better and better, they expect him to start being a problem off the edge as well. You got Isaiah Coe in the middle, Jordan Kelly, um, trying to think they're they're very deep grayson Halton, kelvin gilliam they're really deep on the interior jonah laulu and then the linebackers obviously jaron canick former hayes kansas high school football star um and then you've got danny Stutzman who is i believe he's on track for like 140 tackles on the season he's already got nine and a half Ten and a half, something like that. Some some stupid amount of I can't remember the exact stat line. I think it's twelve and a half tackles for losses this season, if I remember correctly. Something stupid. Uh just having an absurd season. He's got a pick six. He's got several uh pass deflections. He's one of the leaders for the butt kiss right now. And then you've got on the back end, you've got Billy Bowman, who's having an all big twelve season already. You've got Gentry Williams, who's up for the Thorpe Award at corner. You've got Woody Washington. Everybody's talking about Gentry Williams and Woody Washington hardly ever gets challenged because he's so good, and you know he doesn't really get any of the publicity because Gentry's getting attacked all the time and making all the interceptions. So you got that, and obviously you got Key Lawrence at safety. It's a deep, deep uh, defense. It's one of the best defenses. It, it, I, I don't know that I would say it's the best defense in the Big Twelve because that's you know subjective, uh, but it's one of the top defenses in the big 12 and as you said and alluded to earlier brent venables does have he he took over the defense again and said he's going to start calling it and you can totally tell he's making the calls he's making uh the reads during the game and the adjustments and uh, i i've been told that he's leading the charge as far as the defensive meetings so uh, you can tell the difference between 22 and 23 and it should be a really fun game on Saturday. I, this is the game I think Oklahoma has a chance to lose. If they're going to lose one this year, this is the one, if Oklahoma fans, if Kansas fans, this is the one I have talked about, I've circled as a possible upset all season long.
2: And I'm definitely going to end it here in a little bit with your with your uh, prediction on what, what you think or at least play out. But, you know, we're about that point where at halfway, even – Past halfway for some teams, the bumps mm-hmm. and the bruises happen. So, how is OU's health? Are there any key injuries? Or are they getting any players back?
3: Well, obviously they lost Angel Anthony, their leading receiver, used to be a leading receiver on the team. Uh, he'll be out for the season. They got R. Mason Thomas back. Uh, most people consider him their top edge player. Uh, he has not played hardly any at all, if if any at all, except for last last week. Uh, on defense, and, and then here and there spaced out early in the season. He's just been struggling with ankle injuries. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, they're fairly healthy. Uh, Peyton Bowen is dealing with a ankle injury. Um, but overall, this team has been very, very lucky on the injury front, and usually when you're lucky on the injury front, that's how you start 7-0. So um, while everybody else is nicked up and missing guys, Oklahoma's been able to stay relatively healthy throughout the season. So, yeah, they, they should be fairly healthy going into this game. They just came off a bye week leading up to UCF, and there wasn't a lot of big injuries. I, I will say Stutzman is battling a stinger that rears its head throughout every game. So uh, you'll see him start grabbing his shoulder and stuff periodically. But outside of that, they're they're fairly, fairly healthy
2: you started to touch on it that you talked about this could be an interesting game for Oklahoma. Just how do you see this match up? And I don't know if you have a prediction or how do you feel this thing might play out?
3: Well, you know, I think this game is going to be close. I think Lance Leipold is a fantastic coach and what he's doing at Kansas is unbelievable. Um, Obviously and you get Jalen, Jalen Daniels back, right? Correct. He's back for this week.
2: Well, I mean, it, all that, signs point to heading into Wednesday that he is, he is probably not going to be the starter, at least for sure. And I mean, you know, Lance called him doubtful for the game. So we'll just have to wait and
3: see. Okay. Okay. Well, regardless whether it's being, whether it's Daniels, it doesn't matter. He runs that offense and that offense is, <laughs> it's, a, it's a well-oiled machine and, the players he has on defense, just the personnel that he's brought in, that everybody's kind of bought in there in Lawrence. And then they're coming off a of bye week, right? They've had two weeks to prepare for Oklahoma to really dissect, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses, and, and come up with a great game plan. Now, I'm going to pick Oklahoma to win just because they're on a, a heater right now. And somehow, some way, they found ways to pull out close games throughout the whole season. And it's just those type of teams to me with the type of talent that they have notoriously, you know, always find a way to win. Now, do I think this could be an upset? Absolutely. I'm still, I'm still going to predict Oklahoma to win. I think it's just going to be really, really close. I I could see another 31 28 type ball game where it comes down to Oklahoma either having to, you know, Kansas being up and Oklahoma having to make a final drive and doing it and or Oklahoma having to stop Kansas one way or the other. It's going to be one of those type of games. I feel, Um, I just think Oklahoma has more depth. Uh, They talked about it all season, competitive depth and they have it through the portal. They have it obviously coming off uh, three straight top 10 recruiting classes and Venables kind of guys that he has his guys that have been bought in and guys that, believe in what he's he's he brings to the table as a head coach so i think it's gonna be like a 31 28 oklahoma though i wouldn't be shocked if it was the other way around like i've been saying it all season long this is the game that if oklahoma is going to slip up after if they got past texas it's going to be kansas but i got oklahoma winning by the slightest of margins on saturday
2: that is a great breakdown for the Sooners from Brandon Drum from the OU Insider, uh, really good stuff, Brandon. I appreciate you joining us on the podcast.
3: No, thank you.
1: I think it's really interesting to hear Brandon and and his level of concern about this game. You know, John we've we've heard from the Oklahoma side now and. and You've kind of you've even said all week on the board a couple times. You are hearing the same kind of concern that we heard from Brandon from some of the other Oklahoma people that you've talked with. Let's let's dig into this. Tell me how you see this matchup,
2: Randy. I've gone back and forth on this one. I, I really have, not I haven't even looked at the line. The last time I did, I think it was maybe ten Oklahoma, and I don't know, you know, what the latest is. And I'm sure Oklahoma's the pick. You know, a lot of people are going to go with them. They're ranked fifth, sixth, whatever poll you're looking at. But, you know, I went back and watched them, and I and I started paying some attention to them this week. And, you know, you go back and watch that UCF game last week. Now, again, and I'm going to get into this, and and when I do this, I am not taking anything away from the Jayhawks' win over Central Florida, okay? Mm-hmm. But KU did not beat the team that showed up in Norman Last week, Central Florida. Okay, I, I mean, yeah. Central Florida went and got beat by K State. They lost a heartbreaking game where they blew like a twenty-some odd point lead to Baylor. And when they went to Lawrence, they were wounded. They were wounded physically, and they were they were wounded mentally. Mm-hmm. And then they used that bye week, and they got healthy, and they got some guys back. They got the Ricky Barber guy back, who's probably one of the elite defensive linemen in the league that KU didn't have to see. And then they, then he lines up next to that Lee Hunter, who's 320 pounds, and then they got that brash coming off the end. And I'm going to tell you something. Go back and watch that game. Central Florida was able to pressure Gabriel and Oklahoma. They were able to get in that backfield with three and four guys rushing. So what they were doing is they were dropping seven or eight guys into coverage, and it made stuff harder on Gabriel. And let me tell you what else they did. Against Texas, Gabriel had over 100 yards rushing. He led the team in rushing. Central Florida kept everything in front of them, and Gabriel had 10 rushes for 22 yards against Central Florida last week. Now, and again, I mean this in no disrespect. When Central Florida's front four is there and they're playing like that, they are different, and KU doesn't have a front four like that, okay? Mm -hmm. When Central Florida's there and they're healthy – those guys can play. I mean, they were supposed to be one of the best D-lines in the Big 12 going into the season, and they played like it against Oklahoma. So when I look at OU's offensive line, some of those offensive lines just used to line up and maul you, and, and they're solid, especially their tackles. But I think they're struggling a little bit at guard. You know, they're not lining up and just pounding the ball in the run game like they have. Defensively, I think OU is very aggressive. And they've got some good depth. They've got some nice players, but they get after it. So I think, I think Andy Kotelnicki having an extra week of practice, I think he's going to come up with something early to counter some of their aggressive play. I mean, you're giving him one extra week to scheme against you, and I think that's going to be a very interesting to, to, to see how that plays out. When Oklahoma beat Texas, and, and I'm just telling you this is, this is the key here, they won the turnover battle 3 to nothing. okay? No one can lose the turnover battle 3 to nothing to Oklahoma and beat them. They're too good. They're too good of a team. So Kansas cannot do that. If they do that, they'll get run off the field, okay? Oklahoma is number two in the nation in turnover margin. So Kansas is going to have to at least stay even. They can't lose the turnover battle. I think KU can stay balanced offensively, like Central Florida did last week. They were making some throws. They got the run game going. They were hitting Oklahoma. They were doing some misdirection. I think the Jayhawks can move this ball on the ground. And I know OU's defense has been solid against the run. But I think KU can chew the clock, take care of the ball. I'm I'm looking for a good crowd. Look, I'm looking forward to getting over there Friday and talking to Urban Miner, Meyer and Matt Liner and all those guys. We're going to get mm-hmm. to see him on Friday. I think the hopefully the crowd shows up. I know you and I have been close on our scores and close on our predictions. But mm-hmm. I I don't think we're going to be this week. Because I'm going out on the limb and I'm going with an upset in Lawrence on Saturday. I'm going with the Jayhawks 31 Oklahoma
1: 30. Wow, John Kirby.
2: Let me hear I, yours. Let me hear oh, yours. Oh
1: man. You know, for for all the reasons that you said, talking about the athleticism, the aggressiveness of that Oklahoma defense, I'm a firm believer in everything that Andy Kotelnicki does as an offensive coordinator. The fact that they are so multiple that they give so many different looks, yet they are so effective at running in some cases, very base run plays and just making them look very different. They've found so many different ways to attack. They maximize the Jayhawks personnel in so many different ways. I think the Oklahoma, the athleticism they have on that defense, with with a couple of Kansas kids and Jared Cannock and and Dayson McCullough, they get after you. And they have so much athleticism and they really are they're playing more and more positionless football on defense. I think that's going to make it tough on Jason Bean. It's going to be difficult for him, I think, to make reads decisively, whether it is running that, that, that option-type look or in the passing game trying to go downfield. I, I would love to say something different, but I see, I see Oklahoma winning this one. I'm calling it 41 28 Sooners.
2: I told you. I told you we wouldn't be close on this one. I, I had a feeling we weren't.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's it's hard for me to pick against Kansas. But, I mean, that's like everybody else. I'm a Kansas fan, a Kansas alum. It was, I rented some really nice pads there for a few years under Terry Allen. Um, you know, it's – I just don't think they are – Without Jalen Daniels, I don't think the opportunity is going to be there. Now, that said, do you think – I'm just curious, John. Do you think there's any gamesmanship going on with Lance Leipold? The fact that he came right out and said, no, Jalen's not going to play.
2: No. Could this be some reverse no. – reverse?
1: Oh, you don't think so?
2: No, I don't think so. You you, okay. you mean gamesmanship is that is in that he might play? Yes. No. Okay. No, I don't. I, I think – the one thing I've learned about being around Lance and mm-hmm. getting to know him, I mean, he's a straight shooter. I mean, he, he doesn't play games like that. So now now he may not always give you, you, you know, he ended his press conference in a, in one of his quotes, he said, he learned from his dad that you're on a need to know basis. Okay. And uh-huh. And I put that in my story because he is saying he will let people know what they need to know about Jalen Daniels when it's time. But when he comes out and says, Jason Bean's going to be our starter, I, he is not, he is not, uh, it's not his style to play games like that. So, you know, hey, you, you know me, Randy, I'm pretty straight up. And and for me to pick KU, I mean, it it takes a lot of digging deep for me to, me to come up with that upset pick. But, because that's not easy. I, you know, it, it's easy to take the guy who's ranked six and favored by 10. But, I don't, uh, hey, I'm going with it. I I think they're going to hang in there.
1: I love it. I love it. All right, John, you know, speaking of this week's opponent and and being from Norman, we're going to welcome in our next guest who is no stranger to the OU campus and the community there in Norman, Oklahoma. KU offensive line commit Harrison Utley spoke with JK about his upcoming visit and picking KU
2: over the hometown Sooners. With a big game against Oklahoma this week, I thought one of the best guests we could have on is Harrison Utley. And for those who don't follow recruiting are familiar with his story, he lives in Norman, Oklahoma, and he committed to the Jayhawks. And soon after that, he got an offer from the Sooners, but he stuck with his commitment to KU, which is probably very rare in the recruiting world. Harrison, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, man? I'm doing well. You know, I I have to ask you: Do you ever catch any trouble from people down there in Norman for sticking with your commitment to KU? Uh,
0: not not many. I actually get a lot of praise from some of my teachers and stuff that read my message. So I mean, it's nice to know how many people support me out there. And I mean, you know, making a college decision always is always hard. But I'm, I don't know. I've been blessed to be surrounded by supportive people.
2: Hey, that's good to hear. You know, I know um big game this weekend against Oklahoma. I know you plan to be in Lawrence. Just tell me about what are you looking forward to being back on campus?
0: Well, I just can't wait for the college game day atmosphere, too. Because um, last year I went for uh, college game day, so I was there for that. And that was big noon. And for them to host both of these within the past two years is just crazy. I mean, the atmosphere is just different at Kansas. People are – Buying in and they're selling out. So I think to be super exciting.
2: You know, you're looking forward to getting back around, you know, Coach Fooks and Coach Leipold and seeing the staff?
0: Yeah, I, I love the coaching staff. I mean, they're by far my favorite that I've ever interacted with. And Coach Fooks and I always have weekly calls and everything. And it's just – it's a great time. So uh, I, I really love them all.
2: All right, now I know you're coming up with your family. And I know your younger brother Garrison, I've watched him on film. He looks like he's got some promise. Tell me about your brother.
0: Well, I mean, it's hard for me to brag on sometimes, you know. He's my little brother, but he's he's started playing defensive end this year. He played some O line last year, but man, he's gotten so big and strong, and he's just a dog. He he plays out there. He plays as hard as he can. And I mean, there's only a few people on our team that I know to do that. And he's definitely one of them. It's just, I mean, I'm on the field at the same time. As him. As him, but um, it's a joy for me to to look on the sideline look from the sidelines and just watch him getting sacks and stuff. I mean, he plays so hard and practices hard. He hates to admit it he laid me out when practice it was, <laughs> it definitely upset me, but i mean he he gives it all he can give you, and plus plus more I mean, he's just a dog, and he wants it more all right, so I want you to take me back and
2: You know, when you decided to stay with KU, just take me back through that and tell everybody what were the reasons that you said I'm sticking with my commitment to KU.
0: Well, KU. So first off, KU was my second offer, and they just stayed in constant contact with me for as long as I can remember. It's just every single weight count, a call, calling, live hold, like they're just loving on me and. I go up and I'm visiting and I love campus and the coaching staff is amazing. I I couldn't be more happy with like all the coaching staff and how amazing they are. Coach Lightpole just doing something special up there and Coach Fuchs. Just, he, I feel like I fit it right in with him and his coaching style.
2: Well, Harrison, we're the 2024 class on paper for all counts and purposes is kind of full right now. Just take me through. Do you guys stay in touch? What's the recruiting class like? You know, you guys all reaching out to each other.
0: We do actually stay in touch. So every time we get a new commitment, we start a new group chat. So we're all kind of in a little group chat with each other. And, um, you know, we, we tweet at each other too. I don't know. It's great. Cause so many of those guys are so active on like social media and just constantly hyping up Kansas and Kansas players and just hyping each other up. So, I mean, this is, This is a great class to be a part of because everyone just kind of has that brotherhood already.
2: Well, Harrison, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you guys had a late football practice tonight and giving us a few minutes and letting the KU fans hear you talk. And, uh, hey, have a safe trip up, and I'm sure we'll see you up down on the field at the game on Saturday.
0: Yep, of course. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, Harrison, good luck. All right, thank you. Rock Jock.
1: Kirby, it's it's so rare, like you said, to see a kid from from Norman commit to KU and and stick to his word after getting an offer from the Sooners. We know one visitor that's expected at the game. What's the latest in recruiting, and who else might we see for that big noon Saturday matchup?
2: Yeah, Randy, I'll, I'll get into some visitors. I did want to touch on. Uh, I posted this on the board. This morning, uh, the day we're doing our podcast, kind of tracked down where some of the guys went last week. So I figured I'd give everybody an update because it was a it was a busy bye week. They got out Thursday. Some guys did. Some guys were out Friday. Some were out Saturday. Leipold started the week in Goodland and Wichita, seeing Lincoln Cure, who we're gonna we're gonna get hmm. into Lincoln Cure. He was part of the four star Friday last week on the Rivals Network, so he just uh-huh. debuted as a four star. And then he saw Bryson Hayes, wide receiver out of Mays. And then on Thursday, he went down to visit Desert Edge with Jordan Peterson to watch their game and all the committed guys there. And then defensive coordinator Brian Borland, he was in Chicago to watch Austin Alexander. Then he hit a couple JUCO games, Hutch and uh, Garden City, and then Butler and Iowa Western. And let's see, who else was – Oh, Tywa Onatolu was uh, in Wichita – and then he hooked up with Borland on Saturday to watch some JUCO games, and and I think they've you know there's been a couple D-line offers out, so kind of watch those. Uh, Jim Zabrowski, quarterbacks coach. Oh, by the way, his son threw for over 600 yards I saw last that. weekend. I mean, wow. Zabrowski, get that kid, get that kid in crimson and blue. No doubt. Now, just so, uh, but he was in Tulsa to watch David McComb. 2025 quarterback who's committed. He also went down and saw Red Martell at Beggs. And then on Friday, he flew out to Detroit to see Isaiah Marshall play. So he got his fix in of watching quarterbacks. Jonathan Wallace, the running backs coach, he was in Houston. He hit several schools down there. I know one of them was Clear Lake, where he saw Damani Maxson, who's a KU commit. And then mm-hmm. Scott Fuchs was in Oklahoma to watch Harrison Utley, who will be in Lawrence, as we just heard him say this week. Jordan uh, Jordan Peterson. Jordan was in Arizona with Leipold, and then on Friday he went to Houston. I know one of his stops there was Katie to see Dak Brinkley, who's one of KU's commitments, four-star defensive end, who, by the way, will enroll early. So that's a that's Ooh. a nice thing to get the four-star defensive end on campus in January. I know yeah. Ter- Terry Samuel was in St. Louis. Um, Boite, I can't remember where exactly where. Hit. I think he was at Eureka High School, and I think he hit CBC – um, I think he was there Thursday and Friday and, you know, I'm getting old. I can't, I can't remember every note of every school. <laughs> I, I know, uh, I know Chris Simpson was at, in Atlanta to watch KU commit Ja'Cory Stewart. And then he went to Michigan and he met up Friday with Zabrowski. So that's kind of a, a snapshot of where the staff was on the bye week, uh, is in terms of guys in the visits, this is still a, a work in progress. Okay. And I said on the board Tuesday that right now it kind of looks like uh, a little bit of a light group, a lot of good quality high school football players, some PWO types. Well, now the list has changed a little bit. I think kids start looking at their schedules and realizing, hey, you know what? I can get over to Lawrence. I want to go over and check out that Fox Crew setup. I want yeah. I want to go see the the Jayhawks and the Sooners play. So. A little bit of actions kind of taking place here, and this list could change over the next forty-eight hours, and I'll continue to monitor that and put it up on the board. But Isaiah Mosey from Lee Summit North now is going to be really there. yes, Bryson. That's interesting. Yes, Bryson. Hey, hey, listen, his dad played at Oklahoma so you know
1: that's a good point uh, I I forgot about that
2: you just hey it's the spot to be for him so Bryson Hayes we talked about Lance went out and saw him well he didn't see him he was at the school technically you can't talk to the kids at this time of the year and then I I know what I was gonna where I was going Terry Samuel was at CBC because Tristan Abram a defensive end very talented he confirmed to me he'll be in Lawrence for the game Thomas Meyer, a tight end out of Iowa that they've offered. I know you know Gianni McBride. Yeah, He's going to be there out of North Kansas City. And I Uh know they're working on Andrew Babalola to come in. Just as we are on this podcast, Babalola just sent me a text message and said his plan is to be there, but he hasn't locked it in yet. And then another one, another one that as we're doing this, to keep an eye on. Okay. Lincoln Cure just texted me and said he will be at the game if his sister's volleyball team loses oh no so <laughs> so i mean hey what's the line on that game john i'm sure you know it's a pick 'em. So, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so lincoln cure is is a kid that you know he's getting offers from everywhere so if his sister's team loses, he could be in Lawrence. So that's a that's a big one. So all of a sudden this list has changed a little bit. We, we got a little action going here. And then then you'll have some of the committed guys. Carson Brunn, tight end out of Iowa, told me he's going to be there. Uh, Harrison Utley is going to be there, as we just heard. Keeney yeah. Keene, Anini, uh, offensive lineman from Minnesota. And then Red Martell, running back out of Oklahoma. Those guys are all committed. And and I expect him to be there. So, kind of keep an eye on the uh, board here over the next twenty four to forty eight hours for any updates.
1: That's 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 a lot of recruiting scoop right there, John. I know you mentioned Babalola. I've I've said it, and I am going to say it again. I want the two tackles from Blue Valley Northwest. I want both of them. I want Heath.
3: I want
2: Babalola. I want them both. Yeah, I got to check in with Heath. I haven't ch- I haven't checked in with him to see what his plans are. I know K State's got a game this week, so obviously there's going to be some recruits heading out to Manhattan as well for their game. So I-, I do need to check in with him.
1: That is the final word, and that will do for this edition of the Inside Slant Podcast. We have got you primed and ready for a homecoming against the Oklahoma Sooners. We heard got some scoop from behind enemy lines about the University of Oklahoma. We talked about recruiting. We previewed the visit list for this weekend. We looked at the matchup, broke it down every which way possible, and gave you our picks. You are geared up and ready for Big Noon Saturday with Fox Sports and the Kansas Jayhawks. For my man John Kirby, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slant podcast from Jayhawkslant.com. We will talk with you again soon.
2: This has been a podcast from jhawkslip.com.